Welcome to the United by Strength podcast. Hard work knows no gender, race, sexuality, or creed. It is the universal building block upon which successful tribes are built. Here, you will learn from powerlifting coaches, gymnastics coaches, CrossFit coaches, nutrition coaches, and strongman coaches. We collaborate and share best practices and want to bring our experience and continuing education to you. The Glute Ham Developer, or GHD, beginning at the top of page 110, the CrossFit Level 1 Training Guide. Our definition of core strength is midline stabilization. In profile, There is a reference line that trisects the spine and bisects the pelvis. Midline stabilization is the ability to maintain rigidity, stability, and a lack of deflection about that line. Figure one is what it references, which is here on that page. This translates to improved efficiency and performance and greater power output. It is critical to the deadlift, to the laden squat, to the shoulder press, and to any sport. In a swimmer's stroke, when the left leg kicks and right arm pulls, if the torso deviates to one side, you lose energy. Energy is lost in its, def- in its deflection, whether throwing a punch, riding a bicycle, or squatting. The abdominals, with the hip flexors, control one side of the torso. With the hip extensors and erectors involved on the other side. However, what we have in modern physical culture is an excessive awareness and focus on the anterior and not on the posterior. As a culture of athletes and non-athletes alike, We are unfortunately frontally fixated. Pecs, what about the rhomboids? Abs, but what about the erectors? Quads, but what about the glutes and hamstrings? And for the best of functional movement, jump, jump, punch, throw, run, etc., the impetus comes out of the posterior. We see communities where there is a very deliberate and concerted effort to minimize hip flexor involvement in exercise. And yet, by insertion and origin, by mechanical position and advantage, and just kinematically, the hip flexors have several times the contraction capacity that is estimated of the abdominals. All of it, hip extensors, hip flexors, trunk flexors, and extensors, are essential to midline stabilization. The abdominals are just one part of the story. For core strength, also known as midline stabilization, we are talking about static control. We do not want this relationship of spine to pelvis deflecting. Nevertheless, a lot of the commonly used core, in quotation marks, movements involve dynamic movements. The crunch is a very deliberate flexion of the trunk. Conversely, when when we deadlift, we very deliberately hold that relationship static. 
What is amazing is how many communities that are regularly involved in physical training, PT, have one, almost no effort focused on hip extension, and two, almost no awareness of the spine-to-pelvis relationship. About the only thing that we see them paying attention to is dynamic trunk flexion work. There is no trunk extension work, no hip extension work, and hip flexion is deliberately limited. Some of these communities also have problems with chronic back injury, which comes at no surprise. If there is anything to muscle balance, it makes sense. In how many communities are they doing an equal number of deadlifts and squats to complement their sit-ups? Most of the military slash law enforcement PT is completely devoid of full range of motion hip extension. Rucking, running, jumping jacks, all will not do it. The run, pull-up, sit-up, push-up, lather, rinse, repeat PT have no real good core movement. The crunch does not count. While a cumbersome and space-taking piece of gear, the GHD, or glute ham developer, has been essential to our work. We have four of them in 2,500 square feet, so one for every 600 feet of gym space. We use the GHD for four exercises to heighten awareness and develop capacity at midline stabilization. The punchline to the story is that static contractions and, sta and that stabilize the midsection are the most important and functional, read powerful, muscular contractions in that region. Static contractions for midline stabilization are the best ab exercises known. There is no amount of crunches that are ever going to get you to the same endpoint as the L-sit, the overhead squat, the deadlift, etc. What we suspect is that if you could sequentially fire the abs with the same force in any kind of dynamic pattern, you would have the ability to seriously injure your spine. If you could ever crunch with the same force that you can stabilize, you would be able to break your back at will. We have come hardwired unable to do that. That is my guess. A quick quote from Coach Glassman. Midline stability, control of the major body axes is a CrossFit constant. The movements are presented in the order in which they should be developed in a client. The first thing is a simple hip extension. Articulate at the hip only, maintaining this distance from xiphoid process to pubic bone. There is no shortening of the trunk. There is no trunk flexion, just hip extension and flexion while maintaining midline stabilization. The erectors are being used statically, and the primary movers here are glutes and hamstrings working concentrically and eccentrically. Be careful such that the client's femur is on the pad and the pelvis is free. If the pelvis is trapped, the athlete will not be able to hold the lumbar curve. The hip extension is static in the trunk and dynamic in the hip. And they have figures two and three available here for you to see what that looks like.
It also shows spotting or providing assistance to clients on the GHD, which is really important. Not only is this movement exceedingly safe, it is also incredibly rehabilitative of the lower back. Even people with near acute lower back injury can do this, but ensure there is no flexion in the torso. With the capacity to do 25 to 30 consecutive repetitions without momentum, they will find there is substantial mitigation in whatever was bothering them. This is a milder stimulus to that region than a moderate weight deadlift, an air squat, and an insignificant load deadlift combined with this movement create a great launching point. It is a critical part of our beginning efforts with our clients regardless of age. Once a client has shown some competence here, i.e. 25 to 30 consecutive reps at the hip extension, the next movement is the back extension. The pad has to be adjusted such that it is under the pelvis. In this movement, the athlete deliberately surrenders the lumbar curve, thereby engaging in trunk flexion and extension. The erectors are now working dynamically, with the glute and hamstrings working statically or isometrically. We are doing it controlled, not bouncing, not flopping. We are doing it initially unladen. When there is proven capacity in the back extension, <clears throat> read 25 to 30 consecutive reps. We move on to the hip and back extension. The pad is adjusted back to the setting used for hip extension, starting from the bottom, extended in the spine, full extension in the hip, the pelvis first lifts, followed by a wave of contraction from lumbar all the way to the cervical, finishing with a rhomboid pullback at the top. The initial movement comes out of a powerful dynamic glute hamstring movement that extends the hip. Then the back extends sequentially along the spine from south to north. This movement does a lot for a coach. It heightens a neurological awareness. It allows me to introduce some essential vernacular to the client. If we do not have cues that allow me to talk about hip flexion, trunk flexion, hip extension, trunk flexion extension, I am fairly worthless with a client. Very early, Get clients to know terms. Be able to call it out and get the response you need. This movement demonstrates tremendous control. There is hip flexion, hip extension, trunk flexion, and trunk extension in a combo snake move. Using those muscles is essential for midline stabilization and working the posterior. The fourth movement on the GHD is a sit-up but involves no trunk flexion. For the GHD setup, the pad is set that the pelvis is free and the athlete descends back to touch the ground and then comes back to seated. More than a few exercise physiologists and certified trainers have observed that this movement is pure hip flexion and consequently asserted that there, there's no abs in that, quotation marks. But what the abs are doing in this exercise is midline stabilization. Before having a client perform the GHD sit-up, ensure they have demonstrated capacity 
in the hip extension, back extension, and hip and back extension. Even still, their first GHD sit-ups should be performed in a shortened range of motion with the trainer spotting behind them. See figure six. Very good figure to see. That might be it for the first dose. Once they come back and you can determine the effect from that dose, increase the range of motion and volume as their capacity allows. To perform a GHD sit-up, there is some leg flexion in the descent. Then the leg extends dramatically and pulls the athlete to seated. See figure 7. Conversely, if the athlete does not extend the leg to come to seated, the primary movers are the hip flexors, but specifically the psoas. The psoas comes off the femur, runs through the pelvis without attachment, and attaches to the lumbar spine. The hip flexors are also comprised of a very powerful complement to the psoas, the rectus femoris, which is the dominant piece of the quadriceps. The rectus femoris does not attach to the lumbar spine, but it attaches to the pelvis. This attachment to the pelvis is a point of enormous mechanical advantage and leverage. And to fully engage that, the leg must dramatically extend. The leg cannot sharply extend without working rectus femoris, a leg extensor and hip flexor. The force with which an athlete comes up is amazing. Rather than being pulled from the psoas alone, which is a fairly dysfunctional kind of pull, the athlete uses the full complement of hip flexor musculature. Anytime you are using a fraction of the primary movers responsible for that articulation, it is not natural, not functional, and contrary to nature. Not extending the leg can also be a little irritating to the low back due to this shearing force on the lumbar spine. Performed correctly, the movement is not irritating to the low back. Straightening that leg enables profound musculature to lift from the pelvis. There are people that have this irritation in the spine from a sheer force. <laughs> if you can teach them to extend the legs to work the full complement of hip flexors, we will move the margins where this irritation occurs from 3 reps to 4 reps to 10 reps and so on. That is rehabilitation. That is neuromuscular re-education. And that long pause there is because there's a full page or two of just sequential pictures of how to perform these GHD exercises. You should definitely uh, reference in accompaniment to listening to this. Uh, it goes through each and every single one of these exercises, the hip extension, back extension, hip and back extension, and gives you frame by frames of exactly what those movements should look like. <clears throat> also showing you how to coach them and spot them, which is really important. There is an adjunct movement to the GHD sit-up in which the athlete is dynamic in the trunk and static in the hip. It is the ab mat sit-up where we deliberately take the hip flexors out of the equation and work the torso dynamically. The hip flexors are working statically or possibly to no significant degree. To do this, the hip flexors need to be removed from the line of action. The fat part of the ab mat goes towards the glutes and the athlete puts the bottom of their soles of their shoes together with their knees butterflied. 
This positioning makes the hip flexors tangential to the line of action, i.e. they cannot do any productive work. This is done deliberately. Then the athlete slowly and under control comes to seated by contracting the abdominals. This is a very dynamic bit of trunk flexion and the hip flexors are removed. See figure eight. As the athlete fails, adduct and extend the legs to some degree. This creates more purchase for the hip flexors and brings them into the line of action. This allows the athlete to modulate the assistance and keep each rep focused on the midsection. If performed slowly and deliberately, most athletes will fail a sit-up without an ab mat. The failure is not necessarily a neuromuscular failure. It is not necessarily a weakness or deficiency. The truth is the movement is defective minus the ab mat. Without an ab mat, the athlete has a solid point of contact below their upper back. To move, I need to act off something immovable. When the athlete gets full contraction of the rectus, the lower back actually goes flat. This is not enough to bring him up to seated. When this space between the low back and the floor is filled with something to act against, like an ab mat, the athlete can curl to seated. There is a very short range of motion available in lumbar flexion to protect the spine. The beauty of the spine is that each piece moves a very short range of motion in all directions, and in total, they get some pretty cool dynamics. But that lumbar region is fairly inflexible, and all that range of motion that is available moves one from spinally extended through to neutral. There is no more shortening or flexion to it. It is not enough to sit up. Without the ab mat, the sit up is a biphasic movement. While I have solid contact, I use upper rectus and create enough momentum to throw the load to the hip flexors where I have more connection. This means that the full rectus has little stimulus. It is pulling me from spinally extended through to neutral, but absent of any load. The upper, upper rectus is worked where there is a fulcrum. So the back flattens but it is the hip flexors that pull me to seated. There is no amount of sit-ups you can do on the ground that is ever going to work you from pubic bone to about the three or four inches above the belly button. The ab mat moves the athlete from spinally extended through to neutral in the lumbar spine against a load. How big would your bench press get if you only pushed air? Not very heavy. You would get as strong as your abs will with a ground-based sit-up. With or without the pad, there is the same contraction and range of motion in the midsection. Without the pad, the fibers shortened, but there was no load and no real work completed. With the pad, they got the same motion but under a load, and it produced fruitful work. The two sit-ups, ab mat and GHD, complement each other beautifully. One is dynamic in the hips and static in the trunk. The other is dynamic in the trunk and static in the hip. In conjunction with the L-sit, static in the trunk and hip, they develop a formidable capacity in the midline. Thank you for listening to the United by Strength podcast. We hope that you enjoyed the information that we were able to put out today. Please take from it what you want and leave what you don't.
If you have feedback for us, please send it to United by Strength Podcast at gmail.com. Please leave us a review if you have the time. It really helps people find the podcast and allows us to grow our base of listeners. Thank you.